The Everything Sequel Podcast is brought to you by Brew Bar and the Vegas Beer Guys. The Everything Sequel Podcast contains explicit language. And I will not go to my room. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Rambo edition. Today, we're just talking Rambo, the 2008 film. My name is Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, of course, your friend and mine, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hit me, Tom. Gotta be better than looking at the arse end of a snake. <laughs> That guy's a a bit extra in this movie, no? I have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Sylvester Stallone, prior to filming, had just watched the Guy Ritchie box set. (laughs) Because in this movie, there are cursing cockneys and people being fed to pigs. Right. Both hallmarks of uh, of Guy Ritchie's movie. And I think historically it would just about work. I think that we're back at a time when people still cared about Guy Ritchie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah graham, well, McTa- graham mctavish uh i i do enjoy his performance in this and i think he actually, oh i do too i think it's delicious he's definitely but he's extra, so but extra they, they use it uh in they use it in a character arc that's uh that's quite satisfying and and uh it's uh it's an unusually I guess I guess it's redemption for the mercenary character in some senses. Um, you think? A little bit, yeah. I think I I because I mean that compared to how they are in First Blood Part Two. Um, okay. You know they're like all of the A teams villains. They're evil. Yeah, and yeah. here and here even Graham McTavish gets a little bit of redemption. He uses his fuckheadery to get people out of a jam yeah so i think there's a nice as a kind of callback to rambo having to work with fake soldiers but also that the fake soldiers have got a chance of becoming real soldiers if they listen to rambo well yeah and that's uh, so it's funny you say that because you know the last movie doesn't really have it at all and this movie doesn't really either. It 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 barely alludes to, I don't know. I in the first there's always something very satisfying in the original First Blood and Rambo First Blood Part Two, when characters discover exactly how badass Rambo is. <laughs> you know, we have to wait a long time for that in this movie. Right, exactly, and so. You know, in the first movie, you just have Troutman showing up and, you know, what and then in the second movie, what you call hell, he calls home. And, yeah, you know, all of those things are really delicious. And these last two movies, that's for the most part absent. Really, the only thing you have is when he bow and arrows people because he ended up following him from the boat when he said when, when he's been strictly told, you're the boat man, you stay with the boat. Yeah. Uh, and he shows up, in- and when they see like how good he is with the bow, they're like, "Who the fuck is this guy?" <laughs> you know. <laughs> so they actually start listening to him a bit, but 
But that, you don't have again, that moment where they learn that he's, you know, Medal of Honor winner and all that stuff, which I always find delightful in the other movies. Then again, yeah, yeah, that never comes up in in either of the the two movies, uh, right? That we have left to do in the franchise. That he like no one ever finds out who he is, other than you know, his name. Um, <laughs> right. And there's actually a wonderful moment in this movie where you feel like they're about to give you like an exposition dump of the Rambo timeline. Uh, you know, when uh, um, Julie Benz as Sarah mm-hmm. asked Rambo, like, well, if you, you know, if you were in Vietnam and now you're in Thailand, but you went home, why are you here now? Yeah. And he says, it's complicated. Yeah. And I love that. That, one, is the, that is the script. Flat one line, two words. It's complicated. To get bogged down in this, frankly, nonsensical history of Rambo. (laughs) Right. Because in the second movie, you have another boat ride in which he declares, you know, I kind of started my own war, you know, the kind of war you don't win. (laughs) Right. It's 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 interesting. I mean, both these movies are interesting in what they do with. Uh, backstory and um, mm-hmm. I think I'm grateful in this movie that it, it's more about we're not drawing too much attention to the backstory but we're also not adding any anything new whereas Last Blood as you know w- that we'll get to it is full of new information that um, <laughs> is not explained in a coherent way Right. <laughs> At all. So I, I like I like where this movie is sandwiched between uh, those two poles of thinking. Yeah, agreed. And so, I mean, look, we we ranked our movies the same, but this is the only movie where we differed, where you said it was a good movie and I said it was a bad movie. Yeah. But ask me on any given day, and I might give this movie a pass and say it's a good movie. It's If it's not a good movie, it is good adjacent. It's really <laughs> close to a good movie. But as we spoke have spoken to before, and I guess first I should say, ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about the 2008 film Rambo. Which is not the first movie featuring Rambo, as the right. title would suggest. Because very interestingly... Interestingly, if you go on IMDb, this is about the fourth down the list when you put in Rambo into the search engine, (laughs) which is interesting to me. because, And the thing that's knocking it off is the fact that First Blood is called First Blood, a.k.a. Rambo. Oh, man. (laughs) First Blood has kind of been unofficially renamed Rambo. Renamed Rambo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is which makes this choice of title even more curious even more than strange. it already is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I also, mean, I... so this is the only movie in the series directed by Sylvester Stallone himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it, it's interesting. I mean, you, you, you talked about this movie being good adjacent. I, I'm taking it from a slightly different perspective, which is that over the two viewings I've had of this movie, it more or less comes out as a good movie. 
But in in a previous mm-hmm. episode, you told you, you you told the listeners how you'd grown up with Stallone movies. Sure, and that's not the case for me. I I didn't grow up with these movies. I've seen pretty much all of Stallone's work in the last ten years of my life. Oh, interesting. Um, which is partly I think partly why I'm not as embarrassed about some of the lesser movies because it really is a choice i'm not doing it out of peer pressure i'm not not because you know blowing shit up in movies is cool as i would be as a teenager right yeah i'm really i'm really committing to (laughs) wanting to watch these as an adult who has zero time to do it well Um, and for a series that took so much time off between the third and this fourth movie because we talked in the in the introductory episode about these movies getting progressively worse, and we yeah. ourselves, you know, in in our rankings, rank them that way. Yeah. In order, but at the same time, you know, with a budget of fifty million dollars and an opening weekend of eighteen point two million, didn't quite make its money back in the USA forty two point seven, but uh, cumulatively worldwide one hundred and thirteen million dollars. So. There was still an audience for yeah. Rambo. Because, uh, I, I, you know, I wasn't really interested in seeing Stallone movies in 2008, I was st- and I was still living in Britain at the time, and I remember the British press laying into this movie. Oh, to the really? To point where it was really off-putting, even not being interested in Stallone. So I was never going to see it th- when it came out. And I only saw it for the first time um, eight, about 18 months ago in anticipation of Last Blood. I wanted to make sure I wasn't missing anything before I went into Last Blood. Um, it turns out the last 14 seconds of this movie would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, right. but nonetheless, that's why I did it. And at like 18 months ago when I first saw this movie, I was, pun intended, blown away. Okay. I thought it was excellent. I, I, you know, I saw it in line with with the Stallone project of going back to his franchises that had kind of lost their way, and you know, trying to create, trying to craft a, a movie that satisfyingly winds up the franchise in the same way he did with right. Rocky Balboa. And I, I felt I like I, I do remember upon the, my first viewing of this movie, I thought two things. I did think that was much better than I thought it was going to be. Right. And I did think it did wrap up the series, which it actually didn't end up doing. But we'll get to that next episode. But yeah, he insisted on coming back. Right. And... But but I also, you know, I, I, I view the two series differently. I did think like Rambo would. Not Rambo. Rocky had clearly lost its way by the time you got to Rocky Five, which mm-hmm. and so I understood his wanting to do Rocky Balboa. But like we've already spoken to, as ridiculous as Rambo: First Blood Part Two and Rambo Three are, I I didn't feel like the the franchise had lost its way. I just thought it went in a different direction, and I I I revel in that direction. Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely, you know, just just 
listen back to the past couple of episodes, I, I I completely agree. But I mean, certainly the perception, and we've talked about this before, of like drifting away from First Blood, which is the kind of respectable end of this right. franchise. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. And clearly, in the way that this movie is made, Stallone is conscious of a kind of reset to... Absolutely. Very much tonally. Also, well, not necessarily stylistically, but certainly tonally, uh, he's wanting to... I mean, for the first 20, 30 minutes of this movie, you know, every single scene is a counterpoint to the opening of Rambo 3. Mm-hmm. Like every, like literally, it's point counterpoint. Right. For, absolutely. For I mean, <laughs> the way this movie it starts in exact. First of all, it starts in exactly the same way as mm-hmm. Rambo Three begins, but tonally, visually, in terms well, of characterization, even, could not. Yeah, be I was different. just gonna say even 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 for the character himself, it's crazy. Yeah, it's different. Uh, but but it's a uh, just you know just to go back to, to like my original viewing, I thought Stallone was excellent both in front of and behind the camera. His performance really reminded me whether it was a deliberate nod or not to Mickey Rourke in The Wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read a lot of that kind of that kind of characterization into it. I think he makes some really interesting directorial choices that more or less work. Um, I'll agree with that. I, I think it's. I think. I think directorially, it's a little uneven. Yes. But overall, I. You know, I. I don't know if "struck" is the right word, but. But I thought. He took the series in a different way and, to a different place and a place that was at least interesting. Yeah. Um, especially in the in the sense of it's it's heavy heavy violence, right? Yeah, and and not allowing you to enjoy the violence in the same right. Way you and that's in, the thing is, three. Yeah, yeah, is in those those two previous movies you get to revel in the violence, and that's absent from this movie. And so on my first viewing, the other overarching thing that I read into it was this movie's no fun. Mm-hmm. I would have said it's a pretty good movie but it's it's just joyless and in that way i didn't enjoy it as much as the other movies but but i could see what he was going for and and i think i spoke to this in our introductory episode for what he was going for i do think it's successful yeah and this that's why for exactly those but i missed the joy for exactly those reasons you know re-watching this is quite it's such a grim movie that it's not enjoyable to rewatch in the same way that the previous two sequels right, are. Right, right. And so, you know, on second viewing, I started to, to you know, the flaws came across um, more strongly this time. Yeah. And, you know, I, I completely overlooked what I think is central to this movie, which is the fact that it's a Christ allegory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um... And there's just this sort of general veil of white privilege around it that I find very hard to t- find very hard to take upon this viewing. Yeah. Um, but you know, I I think 
the the movie's problems don't discount its achievements for me. I think that's the mm-hmm. best way of putting okay. it. But it really is splitting the difference between two viewings, and and this is not a movie I can see myself going back to anytime soon. Right, and I, that's I, the I other thing. I enjoy, is the, I, you're I not going to rewatch re-watching this sequel. Yeah, yeah. I thought I'd enjoy rewatching it because I was so impressed by it the first time, but it's like a limited window uh, of where you can feel that way. <laughs> well, and so let me ask you this, because you had spoken to the central, you know, guest starring The War in Burma is this movie. Right. And, and you had spoken to how conscious a choice that was for Stallone himself in writing it. Yeah. And I said, oh, well, wait till we get there. I've got yeah. some information for I you because, it, you know, over over many years, he had been planning this sequel and whatever got in the way got in the way. And it took as long as it did. So possible villains for this movie included right wing militia, white supremacists, terrorists, international drug dealers, meth dealers. Biker gangs, cartels, human traffickers, and sex slavers. <laughs> so this movie... Spoiler alert, we get to at least two of those. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> wait for one more movie, and clearly it was still on his mind. I think I think there was probably like three or four rings drawn around cartel in that, in that list. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. So goodness. the idea so yeah, I mean that that was my big question upon watching this movie is like what came you know, what what came first, the chicken or the egg? Was right. it was it Burmese genocide or was it making a Rambo movie? And clearly it was making a Rambo movie. It was cl- Yeah, war. it was making a Rambo movie first and then he and then at a certain point when he started learning about Burma, he decided this needs some attention. I mean that's interesting for for a uh, for a couple of reasons you know for a couple of reasons the first being that even asking that question tells me that he's been successful because I think of this as a movie about Burmese genocide by even right. asking that question I don't just think it's a Rambo movie that's the uh, and that's the other thing right exactly uh, but um secondly I think what that makes me think is that maybe the tone of this was very, very different before Burma entered into the picture. Oh uh, yeah, maybe that's a possibility. That the decision not to have fun with things might have been specifically related to born out of deciding fi- to go to Burma. Well, what was Stallone was? I mean, there's an interesting line early on in this movie, which is still in the sort of war exposition part of the movie because i mean you know this is this is a uh, a war or, or as they say a genocide that people know less about than maybe vietnam or uh, sure. afghanistan um and that's very conscious in the movie that they provide as much information and facts about the war Up front as, as possible yeah but when the paul schultz character who's a christian missionary um says it's really more of a genocide than a war. I mean, that feels like, you know, something that came out of Stallone's research. It's like, oh, actually, we should be calling it a genocide. I'll put that in the script somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I wonder how, you know, tonally, how many decisions are a direct result of him saying, uh, we can't, like, retrofit the sort of 
cartoonish Russians and the sort of formula right. of the Vietnam War movie into all, we can't wedge the, it into that kind of like Afghanistan Western which mm-hmm. you get in the last movie onto this it just yeah. doesn't like you, they, don't, they don't dovetail enough that would be interesting to know the process yeah you know in how this movie evolved in, into into what and how what you're saying but like, look, let's take a break, uh, <laughs> and then we've we'll, not even started. I know we barely started. We're gonna take a break, but when we come back, we'll we'll get deep into Rambo from 2008. I desperately want to call it Rambo Four. <laughs> we'll be right back. I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer. And we're back. Tom and I are here discussing the 2008 film Rambo, directed by the man himself, Sylvester Stallone. I want to ask you this, Tom. The the ultimate reason I went with this is a bad movie has to do with the choices that the character Rambo himself makes. We've talked about in the previous film and this film how they're sort of carbon copies of each other. You know, they start at the same place. He's in the same place. Yeah. Sort of mentally. He's in a better place than he's probably ever been. In the third movie, he's working with monks. In this movie, he's catching cobras and able Still to keep his his darker... <laughs> yeah, right. He's really but moved he's on. He's not giving kind them of money, his... giving them fish. Yeah, exactly. And, and he's able to keep the dark clouds out of his mind by doing whatever it is he's doing if, if for a living. I don't. I mean, I I just want. I just. I won't. I won't step too much on on your question, but I just want to say I think. I think one of the reasons I like this movie so much is that the I those dark clouds seem more present here than than the the Zen version of Rambo we see at the beginning sure. of Rocky Three, and that's why I like it. I, I, the that's world... more emotionally honest. Yeah, for sure. Which interests me, but my problem is is that you know the 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 Christians show up. Yes, so that is got... when the problems start. Yes, right. So you have Julie Benz show up, and and he. Uh, 
What's that other actor's name? Paul Schultz? Yes. From The uh, Sopranos and Nurse Jackie. Correct. Michael Burnett, I think the character's name. Yeah, wonderful actor. So, so they ask him to help them go up the river, and it's a flat no. Yeah. Which, for where the character is, makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. And then he has, you know, Julie Benz shows up just sitting on his boat. We have a, uh, uh, he's sleeping in his hammock flashback scene. So we have a bit of an idea that at least in dream state, his, Rambo's past is still kind of haunting him. Yeah. And he wakes up and has a conversation with her. That conversation didn't feel like enough for me to convince me that this man would make the choice to take these people up river. Yeah. So to me, it it renders the whole movie a bit suspect. Like that's the weakest part of the movie to me. I I I, I agree. Um it makes more sense to go get Troutman because of their history. I I mean with the proviso that that they give themselves an out by him by you know that he again hiring him for a for a job that he's severely underqualified for at that right. point he is just take you know he is just driving them there essentially right there and, and he's just yeah. you know he's just a water uber yeah um <laughs> so i'm glad that that you know that i'm glad that they at least give him a reason to go back in which is a you know extraction yeah, and, and that does make more sense to me, you know, because he is who he is. I guess, let me put it this way. Their conversation was enough for me to be convinced that he would go back to try and help them, but not enough for me to convince to convince me that he would take them in the first place. Interesting. And if he didn't take them in the first place, he might not have ever been visited by Ken Howard former president of the of SAG <laughs> to convince him to go get them. Is that who that is, really? Yeah. Do you know Ken Howard? Do you ever have you heard of the show The White Shadow? Yes. Oh, is that who okay. it is? Yeah. What an interesting casting choice for for such a such a non role. Right. And white so he he I you know he's barely in the movie, but you got and Ken he is Howard. A shadow. And he right. He's just in shadow. And then, of course, the White Shadow also starred, or at least one of the kids on the basketball team was Tim Van Patten, who's, you know, I mean, he directed probably more episodes of The Sopranos That's than anybody right. else. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I actually buy that he would take them in the first place more than, than uh, you know, I know he hates mercenaries, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't buy that... See, I think here's the 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 couple of things that really hurt the plausibility of this movie. Like this time, reading it as a kind of reading it as he is Christ, which is not right. too big a leap given that he's both writer, you know, director and writer and star of this movie. Star, right? Um, you know, it makes sense that you know they the the Christians find him at his lowest. You know, he's he's completely jaded he says no one can change anything mm-hmm. and this is the beginning of his kind of like redemption arc that ends with him sacrificing himself for the good of other people 
like an entirely selfless act. So it's the beginning of that storyline. Yeah, line, except, except it, it he doesn't. It only works symbolically. It's not like he dies. <laughs> well, he should have done. Right. To complete the allegory, but, you know, Stallone's not going to kill him, kill off one of his major no. characters. As we find out in the next movie, he is literally <laughs> not prepared to do that. Yeah. Um, so I... I I, like it, it's it's a storyline that works symbolically, but not in any kind of terms that you can convincingly write in a script. Yeah. Um, that and you know that. So so I think that's a that's the big problem here. Um, that that holds holds all that back. Also, I mean, you know, his choices. Again, this this thing that came out to me this time. I don't know why I didn't see it the first time. Maybe because I'm I'm watching it in 2021 when I feel a little more engaged. <laughs> a little more there's engaged. There's been a few. With, there's been a few shitstorms. Yeah, <laughs> white privilege. But right. you know, he he's making decisions based on the fact that there's danger for a white woman. Right. Like that is the kind of. But that's my other problem with this movie is it's so inherently dishonest. And I'm not advocating for the rape of Julie Benz, but definitely not. The idea that no harm comes to this woman right. in the however long they have her. Is yeah. Patently and, absurd. And that's that's why it's interesting to see this and Last Blood back to back, because you realize. Right. That the only reason she's being spared is because she's white. Because. Right. Spoiler alert! In the next movie, not if, so. If you're yeah. a brown, if you're a, a woman <laughs> if you're of brown, color, you do not get the same privilege in this movie. But here's the thing that I find really interesting: juxtaposing these two movies, these two last movies together, because because no harm befalls the white woman, which yeah. I thought. It's just like I said. It's just it's absurd that this white woman is spared. But then I was so offended in the next movie when that happened. I was just like, she dies? Yeah. You know? But it's the it's the double it's the double standard. It's that you know, we're we're willing to you know, we're 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 willing to sanitize right. if they're a certain color. I mean that's it. Right. That's like yeah. the only conclusion you can draw. Um it's also extremely, you know, the the homophobic element of the the main reason why she doesn't get raped is because the general is gay. Is gay, right? Which is a, is a sincerely troubling moment. Very. Um, which makes and this him, is neither here him, nor you know, there, the but I think I the gay villain. Say it yeah. again. Sorry. Is the the oldest archetype in the book of the gay villain, which just comes right. out of yeah. nowhere and is entirely a reason for Julie Benz not to get raped and for us to keep this veneer of. But the yeah, but the other problem with that too is is her being caught and at the village where wherever they take her, is also juxtaposed with with scenes of forcing women to dance for. The hundreds of soldiers right. who are all rabid enough that they can't even survive the dance before they're setting off flares and and gas and and all going like rape crazy. Not not to mention you know what's done to native women 
throughout this movie in terms of the violence exacted yeah. on them that we see, you know, viscerally, explicitly, graphically throughout the movie. It is just it's a pure it's a pure double standard that uh, for all of I think Stallone's genuine desire to show the suffering that war has caused right. and maybe maybe kind of redress the fact that he's glorified war so much in this franchise which mm-hmm. I think is a, a definitely at play here but he, that's what's he's so doing weird it in to a me. very he's doing it in a way that that is still very duplicitous and right exactly it's still duplicitous and it's still offensive <laughs> and you know and then then it come becomes about power because you, we commented that it's equally weird that nothing happens to Troutman until Rocky, uh, Rocky Rambo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so Rocky centered with this one because I see so many comparisons. The fact that uh, with these two movies, anyway, it's it's like it's interesting. Um, yeah. But uh, like, but you know, because he's like a mid, you know, he's a middle aged man. It's like. You feel that that's sort of the reason they're letting him off the hook, and because he's a beloved character. Mm-hmm. But here it's so blatant that it it's about, you know, it's 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 about rescuing the white heroine. Well, yeah, it's just white privilege, like rearing its head, ugly. Yeah. So that's the you know, and those are the those are the things that I found distasteful enough that I thought. I get everything he's trying to do, but because he missed this mark, I can't say this movie's a good movie because it undercuts everything else he was trying to do. Yeah, that's absolutely fair enough. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, I I, I can't I can't uh, I well, can't disagree with that at all. Can I? I'm interested in your thought about this too because there's this scene. You know the. They've been they've been kidnapped. And the mercenaries are gonna go. I think I have this right. The mercenaries are gonna go up river, and he's gonna drive them. Yeah, he's still and, just a sailor at this point. He, yeah, right. <laughs> like like everybody on that boat is just calling him the boatman. Yeah. Which. You're Which, the boat man, you stay if this with the movie boat. was totally going for any kind of humor ever, could have been used for actual humor. But since he's not going for that, it's, you know, yeah, mirthless. But there's this moment, and I think it's when he's talking to them, or I can't remember, maybe it's when he's making his own huge knife. <laughs> I forget. But he says, he's at one point he says, and he's kind of whispering it. He says, you know, you've killed for yourself. When you're pushed, killing is as easy as breathing. Mm-hmm. And it feels like Troutman won. Uh, yeah. You know, it feels like Troutman got what he wanted he but, Rambo to give into from Rambo 3. Yeah. Which also I, doesn't make sense for me because like we spoke have spoken to before he seemed in a better place now trying to keep his demons at bay by doing this but it's just like it's always that I, I guess this is one of the things i do find interesting about the character is the darkness is always right underneath the surface for this guy yeah but i mean it makes but it seems so weird that it was like 
like not below the surface. It was above the surface. Well, that's <laughs> even but, but, though he had carved out a little piece of of sanity for himself. But I don't I don't see it that way at all in this movie. I think that's that's totally reading it through the 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 prism of Rambo 3. I think I think here he and you know in, in performance they're leaning into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time anyone approaches him he just uh, you know he says fuck off, okay? Yeah. And it's it's just like he he is it's as you said it's like a more emotionally honest version of of where he mentally would be. And yeah. to to sort of I mean we we're not really talking about this movie chronologically but you know at the start of this movie we have uh, an astoundingly long sequence where he catches a cobra and right. then takes it to a man. And Who tells him, we don't want pythons. I have enough fucking cobras. <laughs> we have He's no cobras He's too good at today. catching cobras, yeah. Um, and, you know, like, it, it's scene, scene by scene, the opening of, of Rambo 3 gives fish to monks on the way. Um, except, you know, there's no spectacle, there's no glamour, there's no agency. It's like, it's what this would actually be like to live through. Mm -hmm. Incredibly unsatisfying. There's just one guy with a mic and about three people watching him and he's just going, Cobra, 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 it's a Cobra. Look, it goes left, it goes right, (laughs) it's a Cobra. Um, And I think starting in that place, I feel like it's less of a, it's less of a drop off when... You know, he just says "fuck it" and mm-hmm. becomes becomes Rambo. Than this, the, you know, this idea that you know he's living in the temple, he's living a meditative life in the in in Rambo three. Well, because that's and, something. And then that's... in the next, and then in the next yeah. one, all this nonsense with his with his PTSD medication. That's the kind of narrative leash here. Really, here he doesn't have anything to lose because his life uh-huh. otherwise. Is so, um, just day to day, yeah, menial tasks, which is what right. it was in Rambo Simple. Three. But they represented it as if he was, you know, Conan the Barbarian. Zen. He well, it was more Zen, you know. It was. It was for like peaceful mind. Yeah. Uh, so this. So I. I. You know. I. I. I feel like it. It makes makes sense again within the context of this movie, but not right. reading across any of these movies. <laughs> which well, is, let me ask which you this: is Rambo so, in a nutshell, right? Speaking more chronologically, because we have been jumping around, so we have them ask him, and then they get caught, and it, so now he's, you know, but or or actually before they get caught, when he's actually taking them up river, and right. they try to get past that, the pirates kind of cove, mm-hmm. and those guys come out. And he's got to kill everybody, right? In order yeah. to save the white people, he has to kill everybody, which, which the white people hate. They're you know, like to the point where, where uh, Paul Schultz says, "I'm going to have to report this." <laughs> report it, right? But is that kind of uh, what's the design of that th- scene to you? Is that th- is that to kind of throw it in the white people's face of of how little they understand it's that's the way it comes off i don't think that's the intention of the scene okay i think the intention i think for me the the intention of the scene is to to do what this movie's doing on so many levels which is to sort of 
question reproach Rambo's approach to the world? Yeah. So to me, it's yeah. Is it is it this th- idea of these missionaries have a purpose for the world that they want the world to be? Right. Uh, it's and they have to be reminded of the world as it is. And this this is where at I, least from Rambo's point of view. Right. Well, Rambo's point of view is 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 a is is a I think what makes this. The biggest difference between this and Last Blood, to me, is Last Blood, everything we see endorses Rambo's viewpoint of the world. Mm -hmm. But still within here, there are a few aspects of reality that contradict how he sees life. Right. True. We're still, you know, so the fact that once they get to the village, once they get to the, the village and set up their camp, uh, which is essentially like a field hospital to for mm-hmm. for you know injured women and children we actually see them you know doing necessary good work and you know that directly contradicts what rambo is saying you can't change anything right not you know it's like well yeah if you take someone with medical training to a war-torn village they might be able to save a few lives they might be able to basically to, it. to actually help some right yeah so but in that scene it's very confusing i agree because the Paul Schultz character is kind of, he's, you know, the the reality of what we're seeing is that Rambo is right. You know, it's like, they're gonna, mm-hmm. they're gonna kill everyone and rape her. Yeah. So if I don't kill them, that's gonna happen. So when Paul Schultz speaks, and as for up, Rambo, speaks up and says, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> And when Paul Schultz speaks up and says, you know, you can't just take taking a life is ne- I think he says taking a life is never right. Right. Which I yeah, think is meant, he does say that. is meant to be one of those kind of counterpoints to Rambo's way of thinking. The problem is the reality in the scene is that Rambo is right and he just looks right. naive yeah. and very middle American and out of his depth. Uh, well, and I won't speak to it yet, but that character has a real arc, you know, so by the end of the movie. Yeah. And that's so I, I thought that, you know, it's one of the moments where I thought the movie's being kind of disingenuous because it wants to mm-hmm. call Rambo's worldview out. But it's secretly in the way that the movie. But it's secretly endorsing that, that worldview. Yeah, it's secretly siding with it. Yeah. And also this sort of just this general kind of idea that a lot of conservatives will. Uh, you know, throw at you, which is that, like, not killing people who are evil is a weird way to live your life. I mean, that's what a lot of conservatives think. Right. Like, it's like, hey, this guy's a serial killer. Why wouldn't you execute him? You know, that that's like not being able to think around that way. And that's partly being critiqued here, but not in a way that, that, that comes out in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is at least... You know, there's there's at least moments where there's a sense that you know Ram, Rambo's idea of how to do things has got to change a little bit. Um, yeah. Although, again, you know, there's there's large parts of the movies where you know we just see scenes of carnage and slaughter, and partly i'm thinking that those those because I mean, we've never seen that but we've never seen scenes of such slaughter and carnage in rambo right. movies that rambo doesn't 
you know, intervene in and make better. But we get a lot of those here. It's like half the movie before Rambo does anything or, or saves right. anything. Um, so, but I, I don't know if that's them saying, look, what this situation needs is a Rambo. I know that's how a lot of the press interpreted his take on Burma. It's yeah. like you need one, uh, you know, you need one American man and all this will change, which is kind of yeah, Rocky, right, yeah. Rick, Rocky Four in a nutshell. It's like you can end the Cold War just by providing just a good one, example. One. But I don't know. I mean, it's it's a bit more complex than that here, but at times it falls back on that kind of thinking. Well, I is, think that's the overall thing, is that this movie isn't deft. It's not moving deftly enough to be able to show both sides of that argument well. Yeah. Right? I guess so. Listen, we're going to take another break. (laughs) Well, maybe that's why you like it or why you say good and I say bad. But we're going to take another break and then we'll come back and we'll finish up talking about Rambo right after this. If you're anything like me, you spend the majority of the day wondering whether you want coffee, beer, or wine. Whichever way you fall, Brew Bar has you covered. Located in the heart of 3rd Avenue Village in glorious downtown Chula Vista, California, which is also my neck of the woods, Brew Bar is a coffee shop, bar, and eatery rolled into one delightful package. Tim and Alex run the place, and let me tell you listeners, these guys know their coffee. And after you've been in their company... So will you. They turned me on to pour over, and it's literally all I drink now. If for some crazy reason you don't want to try the best coffee in the world, they've got espresso drinks, all kinds of teas, and even coffee cocktails. You heard me. Coffee tails. And we're just getting started. Bottle service on craft beer and wine, alcoholic and caffeinated potions, an all-day food menu with plenty of vegan options. All served up in an atmosphere hip enough to know you're getting the best quality, but not too hip that you feel the need to drive to 7-Eleven and get a bucket of brown swill. Brew Bar. It's the best place to be for beer, wine, coffee and tea. And if you go, you might even see me. And we are back. We are here talking about Rambo. The movie we thought would be the last Rambo, but was not. So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, that's. I swear, this accurate. movie was built to be the last of the series. I was yeah, so I mean, astonished the, the ending... when I saw, you know, previews for Last Blood. Oh, we'll, but... we'll talk about that in the next episode because I have a lot to say about how that movie is misrepresented by the trailer they put out. Um, Mm -hmm. but, but here, I mean, you know, uh, I mean, we're not, when we say full circle, we're not talking figuratively. This movie (laughs) literally ends with the first shot of first blood. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) To all intents and purposes. Just a different farm. Yeah. Just (laughs) home farm. Yeah. The, fa- the farm we wish we never knew about. Yeah. 
Uh, but we're not quite. We're not quite. We're not going chronologically, but we're not quite there yet. No, yeah. Well, so let me ask you this: Do you think it's even? Is it clear in this movie where whether or not these team of mercenaries have ever met or worked together before? Oh, good question. Um, because there's not a lot of rah-rah team between these guys. <laughs> They're not exactly working well together. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought past, you know, the the the, the movie feels callback. to me like they were hired individually and it all had to come together. Yeah, absolutely. This feels like, uh, yeah this this feels like they it doesn't feel like they're an ensemble. Yeah. Right. Um. But you so but but but, and I guess the reason I ask is because, you know, you have this sort of hero's moment after 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 Rambo uh, kind of proves to them what he can do. Mm -hmm. Because we're seeing the 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 Burmese army or whatever it is. uh, Terrorizing people with the mines in the rice paddy game for a second time. Right. And so he kills five Everything or six in people. this movie happens twice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and he has this moment where he says, this is who we are. Live for nothing or die for something. But because this group is this group, I just wanted one of them to say, what? I'm not dying for it. Like, they don't seem like they're going to die for something, I guess is my overall Well, isn't that point. what Graham McTavish is basic message <laughs> yeah <laughs> is that i'm in this for the money right there's only really one of them matthew marsden who Mar- marsden yeah has the ability schoolboy. to to schoolboy has the ability to like rise to the challenge yeah uh to the point where i almost thought they were kind of grooming a new rambo at one point oh really there's a kind of moment where I don't know how that I think I know Stallone in his movies well enough to think, no, that'll never happen. Yeah. But <laughs> that when when he say, you know, when he explodes someone at the enemy's heads instead of Rambo. Right. I thought, are they passing the gauntlet here? Um Yeah, it's interesting. I'd never I'd never thought about I think it's just another way in which they are soldiers in name only. Right. Because it's like that they're not a unit, you know, um, they're they're in this for profit. I mean, they're in, you know, they're introduced in such a way by Stallone saying mercenaries, <laughs> you know, and that, that kind of that's nice because it calls back to Martin Cove and that other dickhead in uh, the blonde in, guy in, in First Blood Part Two. Yeah. And there's also there's also a nice callback to uh, to Murdoch in the fact that Graham McTavish's character is clearly feeling the heat. Yeah, <laughs> which is like Stallone's way of saying that you know this guy's not ready for jungle warfare if he's sweating. Well, and already. earlier I was speaking too. It's kind of delicious to like see the moment where other people realize. Or even if whether it's slowly realizing the extent to which Rambo's a badass, but I do like that moment when they're on the boat and he's like, "You could quit with a thousand yard stare. I've seen it all before," you know. Yeah. 
And, and again, it's, and it's Stallone's it's, choice as an actor is to stare him dead in the eye and then spit off the boat. And I did like I had I did have a, the kind of same revel of like if this guy only fucking knew. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 doing what this movie is doing a lot. It's kind of calling attention to and critiquing a lot of what's been established as in the franchise as something cool about Rambo. Mm-hmm. Like him, st- you know, him staring suddenly becomes this very, um, this cliched thing. Like the Graham McTavish is basically saying like, I know this is a, you're just trying to intimidate me and it's not working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I think that's, that's sort of interesting. Like even sort of saying in the way that Graham McTavish's character arc works out where basically, as I understand it, he uses his fuck headery to distract um, yeah. you know, to distract the villains and, and save some lives. And it's, and, you know, Matthew Marsden being, you know, has Rambo-like qualities, but he's got this kind of, as the name would suggest, this kind of innocence and, and drive yeah. that Rambo doesn't have, and passion that, that Rambo doesn't have. But he listens to Rambo. It's kind of saying, you know, there are other ways of doing this. Yeah. Um, you know, it... I think R- Rambo really here is like the, as you said, he doesn't die and he should, but he is the, he's kind of playing the role of the sacrificial lamb. It's like, you know, I'll take you guys into the lion's den and, right. but you know, I'll sacrifice myself so you can get out. Well, not just which, that. Yeah. Which is where I think the, the Christ crucifixion where... thing comes in. Mm-hmm. And he, you uh, know, in the, the form of him taking die. off a bit of her shirt and wrapping his foot around his foot. But I always, it, every time he does that, you know, where he's, he's he's letting the dogs chase him, I always think, well, wouldn't yeah. the dogs now have two trails? <laughs> like, you know, it's not like they're, just because he's wearing a piece of her shirt, they're going to stop smelling Julie Benz. Right. Right. Yeah. Right? I, absolutely. But yeah, this is sort of the, this is the, yeah, it doesn't play it exactly, doesn't, you know. Yeah. It's, it, again, it's like it only works symbolically. Like if right. you see him yeah. as like, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to get on this cross for you. That's how I was reading it. You know, as a, as a tactical mm-hmm. maneuver, it's not very advisable. Right. Uh, and once again, you know, after. But I like because even schoolboy is, is like, wait, what are you going to do? And he goes, don't worry, I'll be fine. <laughs> and again, he just reverts to bomb arrow, you know, home alone shit, bomb arrows, stealing the enemy's equipment and shooting them with it. He's got yeah. one move. <laughs> <laughs> but there's this. Yeah, there's this sense of like. I got more of a sense that. He was a in this movie that he was a necessary evil. Rambo himself, you mean? Yeah. Or and that, okay. At, and that as soon you know, as soon as he's done the thing that saves the lives of the people who need to survive to save other people's lives, you want him to recede and disappear as quickly as possible. And I think that's what the ending for me is all about of this movie. It's like yeah, sure. 
it's like the way he's i mean probably my favorite sequence in the entire film partly because it's silent is <laughs> which doesn't say much <laughs> Is the scene of him like standing on the top of a hill, looking down on right. all the people he's saved, and there's this quiet acknowledgement. Well, and all the people he's killed. <laughs> that true. That too. There's this quiet acknowledgement that you know he needed to intervene at this point with this act of bravado, but you know he really is just still an observer, and mm-hmm. um, you know he's gonna he's gonna fade fade into the background again and a lot in a lot of ways he's an incidental character in this movie yeah <laughs> there's a lot of this yeah. movie that exists exists independent of him uh of him right there's no mission in this movie which again it's like the last time we saw that was first blood where it's literally about survival and getting through a difficult mm-hmm. situation there's no ultimate mission here that he's on he's not government sanctioned right and like you say no no point and no one anyone in the movie knows that he is this badass green beret like it never comes up right exactly in any in any meaningful fashion i don't know i find it a little unsatisfying that no i mean i i guess i guess his actions speak for themselves though yeah. By the end of I mean, this movie, he, he, with him on top of that hill, holding his shoulder, you have to think everybody down below that he just saved is thinking, that guy's a badass. <laughs> it, uh, but there's a there's a couple of, and I think this is where the Mickey Rourke and the wrestler appeal of this movie for me comes through, which is when he first pulls the arrow uh, to, you know, in the, in the classic Rambo moment of him drawing mm-hmm. the arrow the kind of his hand shakes and I'm sort of like, like whatever level you want to see this on, it's kind of cool because it could just be Stallone's getting old. He probably can't do this without his hand shaking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of cool because I think this movie acknowledges the fact that Stallone is aging and past his best. Like it's, it's not yeah. something that they're trying to, in any way, com- you know, it's not like the late Roger Moore Bond films where they're just acting as if he's still 30. Oh, for those of you that are listening, we're at the 55-minute mark when Tom mentioned the James Bond series. <laughs> we nearly so, got through a whole episode exchange, there. <laughs> exchange your money. <laughs> Play- I hope your bets were placed. <laughs> nearly, nearly. I want I want to keep you all on your toes. Um <laughs> I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to um, juke the odds here. Um, <laughs> so, so, but you know, the the sense where that's that his aging and being past his best and out of his depth is kind of factoring into what's going on. And likewise, you know, when he when he has that shoulder injury, I'm like, is that a Stallone? Is that a Rambo's injury or is that a Stallone injury that they can't keep off screen? <laughs> Yeah. Because of what he's had to do in this movie, and I, I like that you know that there's room to show that kind of that vulnerable that vulnerability without it discrediting the idea of Rambo as an. No, yeah, hero, yeah, I, I agree. With which that. is what it does in the next movie. Is, oh, is completely. Like, you can't take him seriously as an action hero anymore. Yeah. Um, 
And here they're playing both sides kind of close to the chest. And I, I uh, no, I do I appreciate of, that about this movie. Yeah. I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, that's where we're, we're kind of, you know, he has to resort to brute strength as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, we, we see... Well, and all that's kind of... we talked about horror in these movies. Like, these... Yeah. Like, for, all, for all we've talked about, you know, how horror-centered the past two sequels were, it's in these next two movies, these two movies, that it's just like, it's just a George Romero zombie movie. Right. Well, <laughs> but to your point about this movie, about the brute strength thing, all of that's evident in... Even the weapon he creates for himself, he forges a new long blade that is not the knife we've been seeing for three Rambo movies. Right? Right, exactly. And 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 all of that kind of speaks to the brute strength that you're you're talking about, and then lends itself towards the extreme violence of the end of this movie, which mm-hmm. I mean, are you on board with that extreme violence? Well, it uh, violence as a whole in this movie is kind of interesting. We we didn't mention that the movie begins with a montage of news footage, right? Which shows us horrific, real life violence and the effects of that, mm-hmm. um, followed by a, a fictional simulation of that, right. which <laughs> you know. That's obviously an imbass. I even read. Se- I read a it thing must be a that sequel the guy it's too cold opens, but <laughs> the, uh, but it's also got that Stallone thing that we have here a few times of, you know the the that uh, the teaser and the montage serve exactly the same narrative purpose, and then he does right. it again later in the movie. He does a voiceover and a, a recap montage, also an imbass of. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, in, in terms of a black and white dream sequence. And again, you could do one of those. It makes the same point. Mm-hmm. But, bes- <laughs> but besides that, like, you know, violence evolves in this movie to uh, to a point where... Well, to a point that- where the, the character that Paul Schultz plays, oh, who was yeah. admonishing him and saying killing is never, never right, yeah. ends up killing a man with a rock. Right. And that I, that felt very deliberate. It felt very it felt very deliberate. I don't. I mean. I, I mean. Again. I'm in two minds. I th- again. I think they're trying to sort of say. I think they're trying to push back on on Rambo by saying, "Look at what you do to the people around you." Mm-hmm. It's not. You're like when you take these actions in the name of other people, you turn them into monsters. Because they have to live with your violence. That's what I think they're See, going I, for. I looked at it differently in this movie. This movie felt like it felt like this movie was saying something different to me. It felt like this movie was saying that this missionary had to come to Rambo's worldview. <sighs> See, that's I think the problem that was is his that's arc. how it come I think the problem is that's how it comes out on screen. But I think he's just represented, and maybe this is Paul Schultz just doing a better job than they were hoping he would do as an actor. But like <laughs> I, I, you know, like 
I just don't get the sense that they ever disavow that character enough. And I think this is like a moment of transgression. It's still represented as a moment of transgression that in the cold light of day he would never do. And I think... No, okay, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Which is, but... But yeah, it comes dangerously close to saying Rambo But it's, I right. mean, it speaks to Rambo his line from right earlier that violence. we talked about. Yeah, it, it speaks to his earlier line, when you're pushed, killing is easy, as easy as breathing. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Does this, does I this don't entire disagree. journey... I don't disagree. I'm just... There's so many things, because I think there's an ultimate project here, I, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt, while also realizing that that I, I, I get the sense that overall Stallone wants to de-romanticize violence and to a large extent say, you know, pacifism is overall the right course. But there's so many caveats there. Right. I mean, there's so through, many instances I guess now, where they're you know, like lazy he's saying things. the direct opposite. <laughs> yeah, it can it can get there. But um but do you think that's his intention overall, is that the real world is as messy as the choices these characters are confronted with? I certainly think just that's... just that, that yeah. the world's that complicated? I'd like to think so. I think it is about, I mean, in, not just with politics and 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 war but also with the, you know the, the rambo iconography i think it, it is trying to throw a spanner in the works mm. uh like the the ram you know the, it, it's kind of a sense that although rambo 3 is obviously gloriously entertaining and i don't think even stallone would question that it's just saying that you know this might not be the right way to approach a war movie um, or at least we should look at some of the contradictions that might come out of that. That's like yeah. at least pay attention to them. But in the but you know there's so many. I think there's so many different projects going on in this movie because that yeah, has right. to fight the fact that he needs to wind up. That he needs to get Rambo in an in an emotional place where he's ready to go home. Well, and, and that, yeah, that was my that last runs thing. Counter is, like, is this because... story enough to send him home? No. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, but that's the, my last problem with this movie. And you know, you you're absolutely right to draw attention to the fact that there's something uh, dishonest about his interactions with Julie Benz because I think they come from a part of the movie which is about she is his way of going home, story wise. Story-wise, I think that's totally the intention. Yes, but she's also. But I don't you know, think she, it's earned. But she's mo- she's moonlighting also as you know the the damsel in distress and right. the you know the key to this whole Christ-like redemption narrative. You know, like this. Right. She's she's got yeah. a lot of hats to wear, but it just solely taken on. Why don't you go home and find out if anyone you know is still alive? Still alive and would like to see you. <laughs> Yeah. It's fine, like, especially given, like, that that it shows that 
for whatever reason, he is no longer the the stick-fighting star he was in Thailand <laughs> a couple of decades ago. Now he's been, reg- re- you know, he's he's now been relegated to Cobra Lackey. You're right. Um, so, gi- given all that, like, that trajectory makes sense. But everything that gets in the way makes it equally possible that he could just stay in that jungle and kill any, and, you know, like, wait there until another impassive army of 200 people come right right. (laughs) and and what do you think of uh i mean to me the bit one of the biggest most striking differences of this movie is what is our central villain in the movie who Mm -hmm. you know we've become accustomed to in the previous two sequels uh russian villains who are chatty kathy dolls right they do nothing but talk and we never hear a word from word this guy. from this guy, and that's and the I thing is I, that I originally thought, well, there's a vacuum there. There's like a villain vacuum there. But as uh, the movie went on, I thought, no, I mean, it 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 might not be as enjoyable as a Stephen Burke, right? But, but I think I, I it's I, legitimate. I wouldn't say that it doesn't work. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you could say that about any aspect of this movie. I wouldn't yes, say that right. it doesn't work. However, <laughs> politics being what they are, we can't just let that pass. <laughs> well, and I, uh, that actor, I believe, was was actually uh, not an actor. I, I think I think I read somewhere that he was part of a village or something that was like rising up against these factions that were committing genocide in Burma. And he was really worried about taking the part because he thought, you know, it might cause harm to him and his family, but he decided to do it anyway. Yeah, I think I think it's actually uh, I mean, you know, he still get he gets dispensed with the same way that villains do in the movie. He it's pretty satisfying death. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He gets right? his guts ripped out. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, um, I'm much in an, better than in the an next homage, movie. Homage by the way. to Ramiro's Day of the Dead, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stallone, the film fan, coming back. Um, <laughs> but so, so you know, I thought those kind of choices make me want to treat this movie more seriously because it's like they've looked back and gone, "How do we do things differently?" Without compromising the overall Rambo formula. No, yeah. Like, like we need a we need a villain, and we need a villain that is absurd in his villainy. Um, but not played cartoonishly. Yeah, and not unnecessarily loquacious. <laughs> not <laughs> a Stephen... problem in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just have him not speak. Yeah. All right. Well, do you have anything else? Oh, well, yeah, I mean, I wanted to talk a little bit about the ending of the movie. Have we not? Well, we've <laughs> talked about how he goes home. All right. But the way that pans out, I think, is... It 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 comes out of nowhere, literally. Like, visually, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. We, we, I think we do, like, an interfade on Rambo, and then the next time we see him, he's in Arizona. Right. So there's no like. Well, he turns away. He's on top of the hill, and he turns away and walks off, like kind of. You so don't see no him go over the hill, there. but you see him. He's about to leave the hill, and the next there's... thing you know, he's walking down a dirt road. Yeah, 
And is this the first time we've found out that Rambo comes from farmers? From, like, a family of farmers? I think it might have been referenced to... Like, they say Arizona in earlier movies. Yeah, oh, Arizona, I, I know. But, but I think at some point I remember hearing something about that it felt more rural. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, there was Could that be wrong. Text. Obviously, this is where we'll spend the next movie, this ranch. Oh, yeah. But, so, and I'm grateful they didn't forget that this was where the movie ended. In some ways, not completely, <laughs> but it's 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 a it's better than forgetting that it happened. Yeah. Um, but what we lose by picking up at this farm that we end up at in the next movie, we lose the beauty of it being an ambiguous ending. Like, yeah, what's great about the ending is that shot, um, the you know the wide angled. Wide angle, he's Deep walking up the... Like, you see take. him walking up the whole road for the length of the entire credits. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's, a, that's a beautiful and re- shot. And, and the, the perfect shot to, of course, end the franchise. To end a did. franchise, exactly. <laughs> um, it, you know, it is, it, it's just a sense of, like, we don't know what comes next for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it made me... It reminded me, and it, it might even be a deliberate reference. I, don't, I can't put anything past alone. He, the man knows secret smart guy. He knows a lot, especially about movies. But it reminded me of the end of The Third Man, which is exactly the same. Right. Joseph, Co- Joseph Cotton, although it's uh, Alida Valley who's walking past him. But the I sense was just of watching like, that the other night. It's like, we, 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 you know, we don't, we don't know where this is going to go from here. And you can still feel that he's acting in the shot, even when he's so far away. Yeah. Like, he, he modulates the speed of his movement. Um, I gotta say, one of those horses is a real ham. <laughs> really upstaging the other horses. <laughs> um, but I just, you know... You're being was, uh... a dick, sugar. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I, I just, I, you know, it's, it's uh, again, it's the, fir- the first shot of First Blood, but it also, it just without over-prescribing an ending for Rambo, it gives you his perfect out. Out, right. Like his perfect exit. Um, except that the next movie sees that as an A beginning, a new beginning. <laughs> a new, a new be- an entirely yeah. new beginning. Um, and and just, you know, just that that's, it's the, to me it's the most successful ending of any of these movies. Because oh, we talked about uh, yeah. two, two or three, they kind of let it. They let the endings of the movie get away from them a little bit. With like, I mean, in, in part two, it's well, in part two, Frank you're like, Stallone. where the fuck is he going? <laughs> you know, Frank St- Frank Stallone, the freeze frame, right? And the, then the jingoism. In three, he, you know, he ain't heavy. It's my brother. You're like, it's is this bro- a love story between right. two men? What yeah. the hell? Uh, and this one is like strikes the perfect tone and it uses music from the film from so the, there's no yeah. like additional bad pop track added onto it that will immediately date it mm-hmm. and the only and you know i have some notes on the credits but what stands out to me 
in these credits. credits. Go ahead. Stallone credits ask more questions than they answer. Go on. Security driver to Mr. Stallone. (laughs) Okay. I'm interested in the use of Mr. Stallone. (laughs) I'm not convinced that that's not Frank. Uh. (laughs) And I have evidence when we get to Last Blood that supports that view that this is Frank getting this driver, not Stallone. All right. But that's but that's all you know. That's kind of all I had to say. Um, <laughs> that's great. But I you know, I, I found it an. Inc- I mean, I found so many aspects of this to satisfyingly wind up. The ser- yeah, to me, this is a cross the T's, dot the I's, yeah. like everything that you kind of wanted to come out about Rambo. Even as we've said, they don't successfully resolve what we're supposed to think about Rambo or what we're supposed to think about war or, you know, what he represents. It at least puts out a lot out there that, that is food for thought. No, I agree. I think the one thing that's that I find really interesting about this movie is... I mean, th- this would be a good movie for film study class. Because there's enough in the movie itself to, like you and I are going, like back, go back and forth on and discuss and, and dissect. And so, you know, kudos to the movie just for that. I think the movie's more interesting than it looks just on its face. Yeah, but I think that... To me, that like the, the the this movie is impressive on the first viewing. On the second viewing, it begins to kind of reveal itself as a as a movie with significant problems, but also a, like a movie from sure. two thousand two thousand and eight, made by the Weinstein Company. You know, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like you, it's like why are there so many British people in here? Uh, the motion sickness camera stuff that that starts to come into play um you know so many production companies you need to have a uh a montage to cover it yeah it's it's like it's th- there are ways in which i can see a lot of people just thinking well this is you know this is just a bad afterthought even compared to like Rocky Balboa, which I think the majority of people, even non-Stallone fans, were like, "Fair play, fair play." That's a good movie in and of yeah. itself. Um, but the first impression for me is exactly the same as Rocky Balboa. It's like this is this is someone who wants to doesn't necessarily just want to rake over all ground for the sake of it no yeah I, I yeah i agree with that like i said i think it this would have to to me would have i would describe it at least as an admirable admirable effort towards closing out the series and i think it you know in the, in the past few months we we've seen the release of uh 
the Godfather Part Three as the Godfather Coda, Coda, which is you know partly Francis Ford Coppola trying to counter the criticism of that movie by saying it was never intended as a a sequel; it was intended as a wrap up. Yeah, and that to me, I don't think that's true. By the way, I think that's spin. there's no amount of editing that can hide the fact that that was intended to be as good as it could possibly be and just wasn't yeah um but here i feel like you know stallone could have claimed the same thing that that uh don't look at this as a as a seat as a as a rambo sequel look at it as um closure to the series yeah an epilogue yeah an epilogue right and that's that's kind of that's what it feels like. <laughs> of course, you know it's not, and we have to deal with that. <laughs> and we will in our next episode. So. But I hope. But I'm I'm not like I was very I was very tempted to sort of take Last Blood into account more and say that you know everything I like about this movie. Well, almost everything I like about this movie is the fact that it's the last time you'll see this. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it's not, I'm not going to hold against this movie. Yeah, okay, yeah. Because that would be definitely be a reason to say, it's a bad film. As the third third movie out of four, it sucks. Right. But that's not this movie's fault. It is Stallone's <laughs> fault, but it is Stallone's not this fault. movie's fault. Yeah, I, I. you know, maybe that's, you know, maybe I am blaming it. this movie a bit too much for no, what you're I think saying. No, I think you're... But I think you know, I, exactly I have problems right. beyond that. But I think we're on either side of the of the um, of the Mexican border. There you go. Just to lead into the next one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you have something to add about Rambo, please let us know. Find us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com and let us know. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you can. And uh, we'll, we'll make sure to shout you out here on the show. So for Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions, my name is Michael Schantz. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. We will see you next time for Rambo Last Blood. Say goodbye, Tom. Fuck off, okay?